Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Game Time Adjustments. I'm your co-host, James Harrelson. This podcast is designed to be the proverbial coach's halftime talk, complete with leadership insights, learning opportunities, and timely adjustments that will help champion you to win all throughout life. We believe that just as the sporting landscape provides teachable lessons that transcend the field of competition, so too everyday life provides teachable moments that, when properly applied, can help you improve not only as an individual, but as a leader in your family, business, and local community. This podcast is designed with everyday life in mind in a format that is fit for our audience. Our podcast guests are professionals in their respective fields. They range from coaches and teachers to business owners, politicians, pastors, writers, entertainers, athletes, shop workers, and stay-at-home parents. We believe that everyone has a story to tell and everyone has life experiences that can aptly benefit others. In this episode, host Bill Pugh talks with former collegiate teammate and longtime friend of over 30 years, Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich. Listen in as Coach Reich recounts those formidable moments in his life, both on and off the field, that not only shaped his character, but strengthened him as a husband, father, coach, and leader. Let's now join our host Bill Pugh as he talks with Coach Reich in this episode of Game Time Adjustments. From the public persona of, as a you know an NFL head coach, what's what's kind of something that 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 people would be uh, maybe surprised or wouldn't know about you just from uh, what's out there? You know, I mean, from a from a day to day standpoint, just normal stuff. You know, I was very very blessed to grow up in a great family, normal normal upbringing, three sport athlete. You know, all that parents were you know school teachers and. You know, just had a very positive upbringing, and then as I got into sports and had some success, and you know, went on to college, um, and you know, so obviously most people think about the athletic successes and accomplishments, but you know, the one thing is that um, you know that I am an ordained minister. I don't think there's probably a lot of people that don't know that. Um, I'm mm-hmm. very, very thankful for that, and you know. Uh, went through the whole journey of getting a seminary degree, a, a master's of divinity. Um, that was a, mm-hmm. a, a long and fulfilling process that I did, you know, after I got done playing. And so I, I would guess that that would be the thing most that people wouldn't know or expect. The takeaway was being a pastor is the hardest thing in the world, hardest job in the world, which is why it's yep. not a job, which is why it's not a job. It's got to be a calling. And, uh, you yep. know, I mean, yep. I, you know, after I got done, after I got done, playing football. Um, you know, I always thought that in some ways that the Lord would kind of take me into doing some ministry work in some capacity. Wasn't sure what that would look like. Just knew that I wanted to yeah. be all, just knew that I wanted to be all in as a follower of Christ. And, um, mm-hmm. so, and, and part of that, I think it's interesting to me, you know, we talk about how the Lord works organically in our life with our personality and the gifts. And so I think some of how I was as a football player, you know, really helped me to have strong convictions and be all in on my faith life. And so wanted to go to seminary um, to grow and to learn, you know, just like as a football player, you know, you're always seeking to get better and to grow and to learn. And as a Christian, 
you know, I'm like, okay, I'm doing all these things. And, um, but I, then you get an opportunity and you get a platform to speak. And I wanted to develop uh, that gift and that opportunity and that platform to be able to, um, you know, tell others, tell other about, tell other people about Christ and give my testimony and teach the Bible. And so I went to seminary and wasn't mm-hmm. sure where that was going to lead. And, you know, but then I ended up working at the seminary that I uh, served as president of that seminary for three years. And uh, that was an incredible experience. Um, I learned a lot. There was a lot of, I mean, I met maybe the most fun thing about that part of my journey was just met some tremendous people and many yeah. spiritual many spiritual mentors in my life in that period. But then from there, I, I just, it seemed like the natural next step was going to be to pastor a church. So kind of went into an interim pastor situation. Um, it was, kind right. of, I don't want, you know, just to see, feeling like this was going to be it. And uh, did that for about a year and a half and was a blessing. And talk a little bit about, you know, cause that's like, you're, you're talking about huge transitions and like putting your faith into action and, you know, taking courageous steps. And I only can imagine, you know, the conversations with Linda you know, through the through that period, like out of the NFL, into your role at Reformed, and then then into the interim role as a as a pastor, and then now, you know, pursuing you know uh, NFL uh, you know coaching. So talk about, you know, what what was your mindset or what were you thinking as you uh, stepped out of that role as the um, interim pastor there in Charlotte? Now you're embarking you know, up in Indianapolis with Tony and that whole situation. Yeah, I'm just uh, really felt uh, felt really excited about that transition, that my time at the seminary and in the church really helped develop my leadership skills, helped develop, mm-hmm. my, communi- helped develop my communication skills and really understand, you know, what leadership is all about and, you know, how to mm-hmm. be a better, how to be a better communicator. So, you know, when I got into coaching, you know, when, when I realized that, okay, this isn't, you know, my calling is not to be a pastor, but I love to teach and, uh, yeah. you know, and I love to coach more or less. And that's kind of what a pastor does in many respects. But so if it wasn't going to be that in the church, the the other subject matter that I felt like I had mastery over and was qualified to teach was football. And I had a love for the yeah. sport. Um had a great experience, you know, growing up. My dad was a coach. My brother's a coach. I had a great experience playing. Great experience as a as a coach's son. Um, yeah. I got to I got to see what that looked like growing up, and so um, it was a natural next step. Yeah, I'm just uh, really felt uh, felt really excited about that transition. That my time at the seminary and in the church really helped develop my leadership skills. Help develop mm-hmm. my communi- help develop my communication skills and really understand you know what leadership is all about and you know how to mm-hmm. be a better how to be a better communicator. So you know when I got into coaching, you know when when I realized that okay this isn't you know my calling is not to be a pastor, but I love to teach and uh, yeah. you know and I love to coach more or less and that's kind of what a pastor does in many respects. But so if it wasn't going to be that in the church, the the other subject matter that I felt like I had mastery over and was qualified to teach was football. And I had a love for the yeah. sport, um, 
had a great experience, you know, growing up. My dad was a coach. My brother's a coach. I had a great experience playing, great experience as a as a coach's son. Um, yeah. I got to I got to see what that looked like growing up, and so um, it was a natural next step. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I I uh, I remember um, your first few years in Indianapolis, and so your your uh, Peyton Manning's uh, quarterback coach, and uh, I, I think I think when when that all came to pass, I think one of our conversations was, you know, of all the people that you get to uh you know serve and implement those that that gifting and experience what a you know coachable incredible person so talk a little bit about two things one about your experience with Peyton what did you learn through that interaction coaching him and probably in many ways being coached and then secondly with with Tony and coach Dungey I would I, I would assume and 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 expect and i know you've shared that you know those were some formidable uh forming uh time periods for you as well so give a few snippets of interactions with uh with peyton and then with tony in your first few years with the colts yeah i mean it was great you know stepping into a meeting room with peyton manning uh, you know after i had you know i played 14 years in the nfl but then was out seven years or eight years whatever it was and really right. away away from football during that time. So uh, coming back into a, a room and then walking into a room with Peyton Manning, it was like as they proverbially say, drinking water uh, drinking water out of a fire hose. I mean, just yeah. you know, maybe the smartest guy to ever play the game. And yeah. um, you're right, it was. He really did help me. He helped develop me. I think he helped accelerate my development as a coach. He helped accelerate. Yeah you know, reacclimate my mind around football the way it needed to be at the highest level. Um, so, you know, I'm forever grateful to Peyton for that, for those years. And then with Tony, you know, I really learned leadership from Tony. I mean, just, yeah, you know, just, just watching him lead and he was unflappable, you know, strong vision, same guy every day, um, committed to the process, committed to people. Um, yeah, he, he was the best. Was it your second or third year then that you guys uh, went to the Super Bowl? So talk a little bit about that experience and, you know, very quickly reentering as you're talking about, you know, going from being out of the NFL and then, you know, within two or three years being right back at the pinnacle of the game. So talk a little bit about that experience that year, that season, and maybe a takeaway or two. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, an incredible year. Um you know, that was a run where the Colts had been, you know, over a seven-year period had won 12 games every year for at least 12 games for seven straight years or something to that effect. So there was a really – Tony Dungy had built a really strong culture, a lot of strong leadership. Yeah. And so to get a chance to kind of see, you know, that go all the way to the top, I mean, that doesn't always happen. But there was great leadership from up on top by, you know, Mr. Ursay, by Tony uh, and Bill Polian, uh, but then there was great locker room leadership by guys like Jeff Saturday and Peyton, Reggie Wayne, yeah. and the like, yeah. and the like, and not to mention all the defensive guys. But um, to just to see that team operate to get a chance, you know, for me, I had played in the Super Bowl four times as a player and lost all four games. And um, yeah. you know, the Colts won a Super Bowl championship after the in 2007 after the 2006 season. 
So I wasn't there for that. Um, so now I got to go to the one in 2009 against the Saints. And um, so wasn't sure I'd ever get a chance to get back there. And uh, so it was a great experience. Uh, it, we lost the game, um, but it was still a great experience. So at what point did you realize or did you figure out that, you know, transition was going to continue? You obviously, you know, knew that. You had a great run in, in Buffalo as a player and were certainly beloved up there. And then you had, you know, a few uh, short stints um, in New York and, and Charlotte, uh, et cetera. So, like, you knew going in as a coach that, you know, probably it wasn't going to be like a one-time or one, one-stop thing. So how, how did you kind of – or how do you acclimate yourself around that really, you know, transition mindset? And then talk a little bit about – so your mindset and then how do you – how did you do – how are you doing that well with Linda and your family? I was trying to, you know, add up the number of – uh moves professionally that you've had, but there's certainly a handful. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I mean, um, there is a cost for, you know, doing this. And, yeah. you know, part of the cost was you, you got to, you know, at times you're a little bit of a nomad. And I find that that's, yeah. hardest on, on the, that's hardest on the family, especially, I think, you know, the wife, because, you yeah. know, having a home and stability, and that's where I give a lot of credit to Linda, you know, just for her, yeah. you know, she just that she's just a pillar of faith and trust. And, you know, we were in it together. And, you know, I think there was one point, you know, counting like there were times when I was playing in Detroit and New York where we were living half the season there and then half the season back in Charlotte. But at one point right. we had had 30, at least 30 moves, 30 transitions. And, <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's a lot crazy. to add. That's a lot. We lived in thirty. We lived in thirty different either houses or apartments, and and I think yeah. in thirty years, and uh, so that's a lot to ask of your wife. Yeah. Uh, but she was just committed and understood that this was, you know, a calling. It wasn't just a job. Um, you know, yeah. we always we always looked at our life as that we were on a mission together. You know, to yeah. do what we've been gifted to do. But at the same time, you know, make an impact um, for the kingdom of God in whatever it is that we're doing. And um, so that's all been part of the journey. What's something that, you know, you've kind of learned over those 33 uh, years with regard to your marriage and your role as a husband, uh, as a father? But start with uh, your relationship with Linda and then, you know, touch a little bit on the uh, on your three daughters, on Leah. Avery and Hannah. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, being married 33 years to Linda has been incredible. You know, we're like, I'm assuming like every other couple out there, we've had significant ups and downs over 33 yeah. years, you know, emotional, spiritual, physical, in, in every way. Um, and it's been an incredible marriage um, every step of the way, but it has not been easy every step of the way. There's you know, children yeah. and how you're going to raise children. And then, you know, you have issues that come up in family and tragedies and all, you know, and then he, all the moving and all the stress from the job. And, you know, those things all yeah. impact your life and they all impact your marriage. But, um, you know, we've just always had a real commitment to each other to be grounded 
in our relationship mm -hmm. with Christ, Christ first and foremost. And because of that, because of that relationship with Christ, the number one thing that flows out of that is an understanding of grace and forgiveness. And so talk about your father's love for, um, for your girls. Yeah, I mean, you know, three three girls, super super close relationship with each one of them. You know, it's incredible. I couldn't imagine having anything other than three girls. Um, you know, first and foremost, I think I'm thankful that they have the mother that they do to look up to to emulate in that regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, my role in their life was, you know, really um, they were all. They happened, to, you know, in school and in sports. Um, one of the reasons I didn't go into coaching right away after I got done playing was I wanted to invest in their life. That's why I had that seven or eight year period after I got mm -hmm. done playing where I wanted to be at home. I wanted to be there to do their homework with them, go to their swim meets or their lacrosse games, whatever it may be, um, and and be invest into their lives into you know for their daily activities. So. Um, we have some yep. great we have great memories of those things, and I trust that those those things have uh, helped form a foundation in their life. Yes, two of them are married, and uh, I did do the ceremony on both of those, and um, it's interesting. You, you did you did both of them. Yeah, yeah. To be able to walk them down the aisle and then go stand on the other side and uh, perform the ceremony, and uh, God willing, I got to do the third one as well. But um, did you did you did you cry? What percentage of the um, of the ceremony did you were you bawling? Were you crying? Yeah, well, I thought it was going to be a hundred percent, and I thought it was going to be embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> God was gracious, and I was able I was able to hold it together. And uh, I think I did that for my daughters. You know, they they I think they yeah. I could have, I could have embarrassed them, but it, no, it went really well. It was really fun. That was a highlight when I. Um, this is no joke. When I started going to seminary yeah. in 1998, yeah. um, I told Linda that one of the reasons I want to go down this road was that I had this vision in my life of walking my yeah. girls down the aisle and then performing the ceremony. I don't know why yeah. Yeah. I had that vision in my life. I don't know why I felt that was important for me to do, but yeah. that was yeah. that was a driving vision in my life for all those years that I was in seminary um, and doing uh, many of those things. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of transition. So, um, you know, your, uh, the beginnings of your faith, you know, we both uh, played together at the University of Maryland and, you know, talk just a little bit about, you know, when you, uh, when, when God came looking for you and a little bit about those early on years with regard to both your initial realization and decision to follow Christ and then you know what what kind of those early on uh steps of growth uh in terms of your newfound faith yeah i mean i grew up in a in a great home where my mom and dad taught me a lot of essential things about the christian faith but like a lot of people like a lot of people it didn't really take hold at the level that it needed to take hold of it was it it was important to me but it wasn't deep deeply rooted in me at this point. And so, um, yeah. you know, really when I got to college, um, in my senior year, I just, you know, like many, like many people, I mean, I, I, I got to a point where, you know, football was, 
the only thing in my life. Like it was the most important thing in my life and my life revolved around it. It was an idol, yeah. as they say. And, uh, you know, then when I got hurt my senior year and that got taken away from me, um, and I thought that my career was over and football career was over, um, you know, it really left me searching. And, uh, thankfully there was someone, uh, multiple people, but, you know, I, I had gone to a Bible study or two in college just cause I still had an interest in spiritual things, but I just wasn't all in. And, uh, yeah. you know, it just really came to a point where I knew I needed to surrender my life, you know, that, um, and, and really make the Lord my first priority. And so, um, up to that point in my life, I just, I thought that God graded on a curve. I thought, you know, I'm a pretty good person, so I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. But it was really when I understood for the first time that, um, you know, that my, that my sin, right, really causes me to have a score of zero in God's eyes. But God's grace to me is that Christ who lived a perfect life was, and died on a cross for me and was risen again. Um, that when I place my faith in him, I get his life. I get his righteousness. And I don't, I can't explain it. That just made sense to me. I knew yeah. that I, I knew that I needed that in my life, um, to have a right standing with God, not only a right standing, but also a foundation and a platform from which I could live my life on that would be solid and secure that could take me mm -hmm. through life's high, take me through life's highs and lows. Right. So, you know, some 40 years later, you know, we're having this conversation, thinking back to that time period. And, uh, you know, what's maybe something that you're still doing today that reflects that same passion to pursue uh, him, to grow? You know, what, what what's maybe one or two markers that kind of are always out there in front of you or maybe one or two things that you're even doing today that keep that same faith, you know, uh, burning brightly and motivating, directing, you know, giving you the the, comp the spiritual compass to keep forging ahead in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's thing, there's there's a couple things that I do, and I'll I'll answer that question. I would just say this though that, um, you know, I always try to check myself, like the things that I do to try to stay on course. You know, that's not the end goal. I mean, those are tools and helps to. You know, really, my passion is to know Christ, and yep. first and foremost, above all things. So when I, for instance, do daily Bible readings for the last forty years or so, um, that's not. I'm not. Hey, I, I'm not checking the box. Um, you know, I want to do that from a disposition of humility. Uh, disposition of wanting to grow in my relationship with Christ, a disposition of wanting mm -hmm. to get to know know Him more. So that's really important to me. I mean, if anybody gets to know me for any length of time, um, yeah, they're they're gonna hear eventually that that's really important to me, and it's been foundational in my life. The second thing, you know, just from a practical standpoint, is just you know a commitment with my wife that we, you know, that we pray together. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that, that's most people don't know the work ethic that you bring to the table. You certainly did as a player. And I saw that. Um, and now you bring it to the uh, coaching side of the table, but talk about how that plays out in your daily faith experience 
uh, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's no substitute for hard work. you got to put in the time. I mean, we want to have faith. We want to trust the Lord. But, you know, we, you know, it's always a blend. There's always a balance. You know, I mean, you can be, you know, work can become an, the wrong kind of obsession, too. But uh, there's always a fine balance there. Um, so I, I just know that, um, you know, the discipline and the hard work and that daily commitment, you know, leads to conviction, you know, about things and about people and about beliefs um, that, you know, if you want to, if you want to have impact in, in life, you need to have deep conviction about something. And yep. so the more you're invested into it, typically the more conviction you have about it. And whether it's as a coach or it's in my spiritual, whether it's football or if it's in my daily Bible readings, um, mm -hmm. that hard work, um, the hard work that you put in, the discipline that it takes to, you know, have a routine to get the most out of every day in that regard, that plays itself out in my mind in ways that you can't think or imagine. And you see the conviction from that hard work play out in various circumstances, and I just don't think there's any substitute for that. We're kind of getting along, uh, and, and, you know, what you want to be remembered for, that type of thing. Talk a little bit about both what those are, and then what are you doing today that are, again, positioning you for that to be, uh, be true. You know, certainly, legacy-wise, um, you know, I want it to be clear that I was a you know that I was a follower of Jesus Christ. Secondly, mm -hmm. um, you, you know I I hope and pray that um, a legacy could be a, a blend of humility and confidence. Um, you know to mm -hmm. be able to have to be able to have both. Um, just a, a real uh, you know a heart of humility, but yet a passion. Yeah a passion to do things with confidence and conviction in your life, even when you are not always sure that you're capable of doing them just to be fearless in stepping out in faith and doing those things. And then, mm. um, you know, I would hope to be, you know, I, I just, I, I want to be a life learner. You know, I, I'm always, I think that yeah. I want that to, you know, I just, I want to learn what I do. You know, if I interact with someone, I don't care who they are. I feel like I can always have something to learn from everybody I interact with. Um, I like teaching. I want to, you know, I want teaching to be part of my legacy to my children, to the players, you know, to ministry, all those things. And then, you know, and then there's some of that that uh, all that stuff is great, but it's got to be with people. So I like to collaborate. You know, I like to work with people. Uh, get people yeah. together around a common vision and let's let's work together let's collaborate together how can we get from point a to point b or how can we make a difference and so that takes people working together to have the biggest impact we'll be back with today's guest right after this we appreciate our sponsors brennan martin Pugh and associates Offering next-generation consulting services. Also, EDR Marketing, providing corporate hospitality and event marketing solutions. Their impact provides resources that bring both purpose and meaning for our listening audience. If you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, please be sure to contact us 
at GameTimeAdjustments.com. Now back with today's conversation. A little bit about the foundation that you and Linda have set up and how we can broadcast that and how people can go and check that out and participate and or, you know, make a donation if they're inspired to do so. You know, our foundation, Not Today, um, you know, which is really about creating awareness and, and protecting and bringing restoration to uh, young men and women who have been sexually abused and exploited. That foundation is called Not Today. So that would be Not Today, and it's K-N-O-T, K-N-O-T. I'm very excited about the opportunity to come alongside and really we're about coming alongside organizations that are providing programming to help these victims and for us to help create awareness and to come alongside them and bring resources um, in a way that can uh, really impact these children. If people are interested, please go there and uh, check out what Frank and Linda and that wonderful uh, organization is, is doing. And, uh, and again, consider a, a gift or participating in whatever uh, would be appropriate going forward. But man, I can't, I can't thank you enough, uh, Frank. Thanks, uh, thanks again for the time. Thank you again for listening. If you missed the podcast, don't worry. We have show notes, links, and resources available at GameTimeAdjustments.com. Until next time, remember that no matter the challenges you face in life, with the proper timely adjustment, you can not only redefine success, but you can ultimately win all throughout life. Our host for this podcast is Bill Pugh. Our producer is Matt Dunn. Our associate producer is Ashley Russell. And I'm your co-host, James Harrelson. On behalf of all of us here at Game Time Adjustments, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with you again very soon.